Several, some of the guys said uh, they saw at Mother's Day how the events team uh, really took care of the moms, you know, had a real nice table out there and all the nice little stuff. And one of the, one of the dads said, yeah, for Father's Day, we'll probably just get some beef jerky thrown at us on the way out the door. And, and uh, so, uh, but you can say the events team did something really nice, uh, sausage biscuit, muffins, something to drink, some sweet tea out there. And, uh, but also, on your way out the door, dads, uh, make sure you pick up your Slim Jim on the way out the door because we do have some one for you on the way out there. They wanted to go eat, and they figured that's the important thing to you, so they got one for you, so do that. Uh, I want to mention one thing before we get into the message and uh, starting a new series this morning, um, and that is we've got, we've got a lot of folks uh, scattered right now across the country. We've got several people out of state. Uh, Justin, uh, which uh, Britton just told me that Justin's going to be back in next weekend uh, for a visit, but he's uh, in Oklahoma, been there for uh, uh, International House of Prayer for training, six months of training, coming back to start a 24-7 House of Prayer, and hopefully many more that uh, he's going to be starting in this area. That's what God has put on his heart, so he's there in a missionary-type training. We uh, also have Christy Goodyear, one of our youth leaders in our church, is in Northern California. She works for JH Ranch, and uh, they're in the middle of camps. She's been there since since uh, about mid-May, and uh, heard from her this week. Uh, we emailed back and forth a little bit, and she told me that things are going great. She's been really challenged, but she really loves it, and so uh, you know, I'll be looking forward to getting her back. We're missing her around here, so we'll pray for her. Also, we've got uh, three people that are, uh, I hope, in South Dakota. They, last year, we had our missions trip to South Dakota, and a couple of our young people just, were just had their hearts just, just uh, so knit to this ministry. They wanted to go back this year. And uh, Hannah and, and Jacob and Jacob's mom uh, agreed to drive them. So we've got three on the road. And they left early Friday morning and hoped to be there late last night. I hadn't heard if they got there yet or not. 1,600 miles, that's a pretty good two-day trip. And uh, so, but we want to pray for them. So we've got a lot of people kind of doing missions right now uh, across the country. And uh, we've also got our missions trip in August. You saw the dates. And uh, the legislature, you know, they just made... You know, just a new uh, law that uh, school had to start later this year, so they've changed that, and so that kind of opened us up to be able to uh, do our missions trip a little later, and so if you weren't thinking about going, check those dates again, and it's close, uh, you saw that, you know, it's close, it's affordable, it's going to be very inexpensive, see Shannon, Shannon, will you wave your hand at everybody, see Shannon if you want to know more information about that, uh, because we are very, very mission-minded, saw my little keychain yesterday also, and just reminded me that uh, we planted an orchard, or helped plant an orchard, planted about half of it. And I'm looking forward to hearing, uh, maybe even getting some of the fruit from the remaining orphanage at the, uh, in the or- orchard that we helped plant there. So uh, we're going to start a new series this morning, and it's on Flip This House. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get into the message if we can. Father, I love you. Thank you, God, for all of our blessings. God, and just, uh, Lord, Father's Day, God, it's not just a day for us to remember our fathers, but God, as a dad... It's a day that just reminds me how blessed I am. God, you have so blessed me, Lord, with uh, kids, now grandkids, God, that God, just pouring so much into me. God, they're just such a blessing to, to have. Thank you, God. And, and God, we get so busy, we forget that. Thank you for this day, Lord, just to remind us of those things, to remind us to appreciate dads and remind us, dads, to appreciate what we've got. And I pray, Lord, for uh, this time that we have together, for just a few moments, God, that you do something special in the lives of, of these fathers God, so you can do something special in their homes, in their marriages. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so we're starting a new series, uh, Flip This House. And here's the thing, and uh, the, this, this past Wednesday night, I was thinking about this again. I was sitting in on Cliff's small group. We have a, 
you know, one adult small group always meets here on Wednesday nights, and uh, I was in, that, in there, and I was hearing these things we're talking about. I was thinking about this uh, a few months ago. I was sitting in Gary's small group with uh, men on Saturday morning. I was thinking about these things, you know, like this past Wednesday night. This, this, this happens all the time. It seems like when I'm in a small group, uh, I'm hearing this good teaching, and and, and, you know, it's, it's like it's refocusing us. And some of the things we were talking about on Wednesday night is, is how we need to be living selfless lives. Not selfish, but selfless lives. And reaching out for others. And, you know, and it just occurs to me over and over and over again how far out of sync we in this country are with reality and truth and what God's Word says. That, that even a lot of times, you know, things happen, I see something or, or, you know, something, boom, hits my life, and my initial reaction and response wants to be what the rest of the world is because I live in this world and, and I want to respond like the world does. And we have to work so hard at refocusing. And so that's why this series for right now is we need to flip the house. We need to turn things back. It's been turned on its head. We need to turn things back. This country needs to be turned back. The, the, the house that is this country, it needs to be turned back. But we can't fix the country, this morning anyway, but we can start in a good place, and that's in our own homes. And the, the best place to start is let's start at the top. And guys, dads, it is your responsibility. And when, when that scripture talks about you being the head, or we talk about being the spiritual head of the house and, and those things, that doesn't mean that you're the boss, you get to point your finger and say, no, do this, do this, do this. That's not what that means. It means you have the spiritual responsibility to make sure these things happen. So let's start with us today, dads. Let's start with who we are, what we need to be, and where we need to be. So uh, let's go to some scripture. I, I want to I tell you a little incident in the story uh, in the life of uh, Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 24, beginning the first verse, by now Abraham was old and the Lord had blessed him in every way. So Abraham said to the senior servant, of his household who is in charge of all that he owned, take a solemn oath. Abraham is about to help his son get a wife. They did it different back in those days, okay? But he's about to help his son get a wife, and so he calls his servant to him, and he says, take a solemn oath. This is serious. This, 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 this is serious. This is for real. This is not something that, uh, uh, this is not something that you want to take lightly. And Abraham didn't. He said, take a solemn oath. He, he, he wasn't going to uh, just, just uh, pass this off to anyone. He, he, he said before, I give a responsibility. I'm going to give a charge to my servant, but I want you to take a solemn oath. So we, he made him take a solemn oath, solemn oath because this was something that was serious. Okay. And, and I had uh, j- just the other day, I was thinking about this as I was putting together this message. It was actually it was late last night. I was thinking about a friend of mine who really took this, really took this re- really, really seriously. It is, it, it's, he, well, I'd say, I haven't seen him in a long time, but um, I saw a Facebook message that he posted, and I don't want to read it to you this morning. He's my buddy. His name is Brent. He said, and incidentally, I just go ahead and set this up. He, he, he's a military guy, okay? He's, he's in the military. He says, since I've only got five weeks until my second girl is born, I thought I'd go ahead and stock up. Just a friendly reminder to any future boys that want to date my daughters. So you know where this is headed now, right? I am an expert marksman with the following weapons. M16, 
M14, a 243 saw, a 50 caliber, 45, an M60, plus several civilian weapons. And uh, what he posted along with this was a picture of just a pile of ammo. And I meant the bullets in the thing were like this long. You know, there's just a pile of ammo right there. Just in case any of you guys want. You know what? He was taking this thing. And I I like that. You remember, it reminded me of the the message I preached to you several months ago about, uh, and I I mentioned it about E.V. Hill, about how the the guy came to the door, knocked at the door. He said, I'm here for your daughter. He said, "Uh uh-uh, you're not for my daughter. And he closed the door. You remember that? I said, that's what I thought about it. And we all take it seriously, don't we? I meant, you know, a little girl's born, you know, and she's she's got daddy wrapped around the finger before she's even old enough to ask for anything. It's already done and all that. But my concern is this, is that, as we, as we grow a little older and as we get used to this thing, we don't keep the seriousness of being a dad. We don't keep the, uh, the reality of what really needs to happen. It's like we don't keep it right in front of us. You know, it's kind of like that thing with the pacifier. You know, you know what I mean? When the pacifier gets within six inches of the floor. You, you take it in the kitchen. You boil it. You know, you make sure everything is cleaned off of it. There's nothing there. The second kid comes around, you run it under the tap water. You know, by the time the fourth or fifth kid gets here, you know, he hits the floor, you pick it up, say, five-second rule, it's okay, <laughs> stick this in your mouth, right? I mean, it's just, now, there are some things that we, we probably do need to just kind of ease off on, right? I mean, you know, we don't need to be quite so strict and hard, and, and we need to chill out just a little bit, I guess we could say, but for the most part, I think a lot of times we, we lose way too much of it. And I want to remind you... Uh, you know, if there's a couple of things that I'd like to see happen today. One of them is by spending this time with me, that, that God, would, God would use me right now, that spending this time with me in this message, that you would be a better dad by the time we say this last, that you would grow in some way and you would become a better dad by the time we say this last amen. And then what I'm hoping you will do is that you will say the same thing and you will think this to your family, is that, that by spending, them spending time with you, that they will be somehow better in their life. Because they have spent time with you. So that's what I'm praying. That's what I've asked God to do in this time that we have together today. And I pray you do the same thing with your family. That they will be better in everything they are and everything they do because they spend time with you. So this morning, let's talk about real dads. Abraham was a real dad. And the very first thing we'll tell you back to our scripture says, I want you to swear. Because here he said, take this solemn oath to a servant. He said, I want you to swear by the Lord God of heaven and earth that you will not get my son a wife from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I'm living. Instead, you will go to the land of my relatives and get a wife for my son, Isaac. So, you know, Abraham has, was called by God to leave his hometown, to leave his homeland, and come to, come to uh, Canaan, Palestine, you know, uh, we know of modern-day Israel. And God called him to this place, and this was a place that God had promised him and to his descendants. And he gets there, and you know, he's got his son, and, and his son grows up, and Abraham's about to die, and his son doesn't, you know, son doesn't have a, a wife yet. So he says, I'm going get to my, get my son a wife. I want, her to have a, I want him to have a good wife. And I mean, they were involved a little bit more uh, with, uh, you know, helping their, their kids find mates than you and I are with our kids, and maybe that's not always a bad thing that we uh, maybe might need to be a little more involved in some of that. Because here's something right here that we need to see. We need to see with Abraham that Abraham was a real dad and that Abraham as a real dad, he was concerned about real things. You see, a lot of us, we're concerned about stuff that don't really matter anymore. We're concerned about things that, I, I mean, you know, I've got trophies. 
I don't know if they're in my basement, my mom's attic, or somewhere. I've got trophies that I made when I was, that I earned when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, you know, in sports and those kinds of things. I don't even know where they are today. You know, they didn't, they didn't even matter five years later, much less 10, 20, and now uh, however many years that was, 40 years almost ago, 30-something years ago. It didn't even matter. Uh, it doesn't even matter then. It doesn't matter now. It's definitely not going to matter into eternity. You know, there, there was a... There was a um, Something, it was on a bumper sticker. I don't think anybody in the first service knew it, at least they wouldn't own up to it, but maybe some of you know it and you can help me finish it. You ever heard this phrase, this saying, whoever dies with the most toys, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but you know what the, the bumper sticker was? Whoever dies with the most toys wins. You know, that's kind of become the attitude of this society, Right? Is that all you, what you need to do is gather the most toys because whoever gets the most toys, I mean, you know, they've got it. But yeah, I, I did hear that, that uh, paraphrase on it that whoever dies with the most toys, they still die. You know, here's the thing. I've been to a whole lot of funerals. I don't know about you, but hey, as a minister, I've been to a whole lot of funerals. And I have never been to a funeral, though, where they brought in all the toys and showed them off to everybody. Come on, somebody say, man, you know, this, this is a little lighthearted. It's okay for you to smile if you want to and laugh. You know, and, and as, a, as a minister, a lot of times, you know, they give you this thing called the clergy card. It's basically got the obituary on it, you know, so that you can read it. And you know what? I've never found the toys listed on the obituary. You know, so when, when you get up and, and you start that part of the, uh, of the funeral service, we say, he was survived by his 14-foot bass boat. He was survived by his beautiful gun collection. No, it says... He was survived by a son. He was survived by a daughter. Those are the things that are going to matter. It's not going to matter how much you amass in this world. It's going to matter. It's going to matter how much you pour into those who are around you and what you build into the lives of those precious ones that God has given to you. You know, uh, David went off one, one year for about a week and left me alone with Brent, our son. She came home to regret it <laughs> because just before they left, she let, him, she let him highlight his hair. Now, she actually helped him with this. But after she had been gone a couple of days, he decided that it wasn't light enough. They didn't put enough on. Some of you ladies, y'all, I don't understand this, okay? You know, you know, really highlighting hair has not ever been something I've been too worried about, you know, in my own life. I don't know about y'all, but... Couple of, so a couple of days later, after my wife is gone and she's out of town, he decides to highlight his hair again, and so, so he highlights it again. Well, by the time she gets home, you know, it's, it's the summer. She's actually on a school trip with Kristen. And so by the time she gets home, this two highlights within two days of each other, out in the hot sun, you know, because we were living in South Alabama. We were pastoring an enterprise. And by the time she gets home, her, his hair is, is somewhat the color of, of maybe Tina's uh, shirt or coat back there that she's got on, that, that, bright, that orange right there. You know, that's, a, that's kind of the color of his hair by the time she gets home. She gets home and she is all upset. And she's upset with me and I'm sorry, I hadn't even noticed that his hair is orange, you know, much less that he did it again, you know. I, I, I didn't even realize it. I thought that's what they were going for, you know. You know, I didn't, I didn't know. So, so, you know, she's all upset him. She's getting all over, all, all over him. And then she's talking to somebody, a close friend of hers, actually a family member of hers on the phone later that day. And this family member, this family member, she, she, she's had all kind of trouble out of her kids. I mean, they've been in and out and in and out and in and out, you know, of jail and, and everything and addictions and all this kind of stuff. And, and she's just worried about her kids showing up alive at home every night. 
And she tells Deva, Brent can go to heaven with orange hair. Sometimes we need to remember what's important, don't we? Sometimes we need to focus on what's really the real things. And real dads focus on the real important stuff in life instead of the others. Second point right here. The servant asked Abraham, okay, well, what, what if I find a woman to marry your son, but she doesn't want to come back to this land? Should I take your son all the way back to the land you came from? And Abraham said this to him. He said, make sure you do not take my son back there. Okay, so servant says, okay, I, I, you want me to go get a son there? Here, here's what Abraham's saying. is, look, I am in a land of pagans. I'm in a land of heathens. I'm in a land of people that don't know the Lord my God. Now, I, I've, got, I've got family members and friends and people close to me way back now. They, they know God, but that is in a place that God has called me away from and all that. So I, I can't get him a wife out of this, but I can't let him go back to that. I mean, there's some specific things that need to happen here, and, and, and Abraham is, is very specific about this. And here, here's what it is. Here's the whole thing. is that real dads leave obvious footsteps, footprints, for their children to follow in. And here's, here's what Abraham really understood about this. He, he knew what he had left back there. And he knew all the steps that it took to get to where he was. And he knew how easy it was to slip back into that. And that's why he said, do not take my son. Listen, most of us have had to break from something. Most of us have had something in our lives we've had to pray over, we've had to fight through, we've had to, we've had to plead the blood of Jesus over and over. God, please forgive me, break this out of me. And, and this is what Abraham's saying. He's saying, don't take my kids back to the place that I came out of. I mean, how, it's amazing to me when I, when I see fathers... When I see fathers, you know, uh, try to break free from something, but then allow their kids to go right back into the same thing. You know, everywhere you walk, you leave your footprint. You understand that? And there are these little ones that are following along behind you, and so you need to make sure that you are making footprints in the right direction because that's what they're going to follow. They're not going to follow what you want them to do. They're going to follow what you do. You may, you may prove that to you? How many of you, as you were growing up, you said, I will never be like my father. I'll never be like my mother. But then you grew up, and guess what you became? Your kids will not do what you want them to do. Your kids are going to pretty much do what you do. They're going to follow that. And so they're going to follow your feet. And when, you're, when your footsteps get out of line and you get out of the will of God, and they see you do that, now you don't repent to them. You repent to God, okay? But when they see you get out of God's will, they also need to see the footsteps that bring you back to the will of God. And so when they see you do wrong, they also need to see that you're repentant of what you did wrong. I know, I know there's this thing in us about parents is that we've got we to keep ourselves on a pedestal. They've got to look up to us. No, don't keep yourself on a pedestal because sometimes you fall off. Don't crawl back up and say, nobody saw that. If your kids see that, make sure they also see the steps that you had to take to get things right with God and anybody else that you offended in that. Real dads are worthy of following. Real dads are worthy of modeling after. Real dads are worthy of being copied. And so dads, because of, because of this, you've got to model everything you can in life. But let me throw three at you real quick. The first one is a great marriage. You need to model a great marriage before them. 
You know where they're going to learn about marriage? I know they're learning a whole lot about marriage and, and what marriage is supposed to be and, and what marriage is being, what, what they're trying to turn marriage into in this country. I preached about that last year. I won't rehash all of that, but it'd be good for us to remind ourselves that marriage has historically been what marriage is. We didn't dream this up 200 years ago when we founded this country. This is not an American thing. This is not a United States thing. This is what marriage always has been. You know where they're going to learn what marriage really is? They're going to learn it from you. You know, I, I don't have time to really fully develop this. It'd probably make a really funny sermon if I ever did this, but about how Deva and I, my wife and I, we come from two very different uh, families. I mean, her parents and my parents are so different in the way they relate to one another. I won't tell you which, but one of them's really, really quiet, and the other one's really, really loud. <laughs> There's a whole lot of stuff like that goes on there. It's so different from them. And, and, and look, your kids, they may not, their marriage may not look like your marriage, but their marriage is going to be like your marriage. Because, you know, ours really couldn't look like her parents and my parents at the same time. So we don't, our marriage doesn't look like theirs, but our marriage is like both of theirs. Because underneath this, there's something they both had in common. And underneath the, 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 the quiet or underneath the noise that was there, there was, a, there was a devotion and a commitment to one another, a solidness that was there that we have had. And thank God we've got it. Because let me tell you something. We've been through some pretty rough stuff in our marriage, in our lives. And I don't know if David would still be living with me if she had not had modeled before her the commitment and the devotion that is there regardless of all the other stuff. And so your kids, they may say, I don't want to be like that or whatever. Well, they may, it may not look like it, but it's the stuff that's underneath is what they're going to get. What is really, really, really there. You need to also model a strong work ethic. Now, am I the only person that believes that this country has totally forgotten what customer service is? Customer service. Service to the customer. I mean, you don't get that anywhere. Or... or, or or people who take pride in their work. Now here's, and I, I got I to say this really quick because my time's just about, just about gone. It'll be gone in just a few minutes. But here's what I believe happened. Here, here, here's, here's Rick Hand ideology, okay? Not theology, here's ideology, all right? Here's what I believe happened. Is we have gone from the greatest generation to the wonder years and beyond. Now, this greatest generation, the great generation that, that we talk about, Tom Brokaw, Brokaw wrote about it, and, and others have called it that great generation. These were, these were men who, for the most part, they were men who worked with their hands. They were craftsmen. Some of them were farmers, or they worked in factories, and they worked with their hands. And their kids saw a lot of their work, and they saw, and, and when they worked with their hands, and people knew that they worked with their hands, I mean, you know, we want to make sure this, because everybody knows I did this, so I want to make sure everybody, you know, it, 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 it really... It really looks like something I want to be proud of. But then the Wonder Years, I don't know if you know the old sitcom. I mean, that was the Wonder Years. That's when I grew up. You know, it was a great time to grow up. But there was, there, you know, it wasn't perfect. And one of the things that wasn't perfect, something I realized about it, Kevin, the, 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 really the star role of, of, of this series. He had no idea what his dad did. He knew where his dad worked, but he didn't know what his dad did. He knew nothing about it. He did go to work with his dad one day, and he learned about it. And... Kevin learned the same thing about his job that his dad knew about his job. What Kevin knew about his dad before he went to work with him that day, what Kevin knew about his dad and his dad's job was that his dad came home from work grumpy. 
mad most of the days. He hated his job. He didn't want to do it, and he didn't want his son to do it. And, and Kevin had no idea that his, if his dad did a, did a good job at work or a bad job. All he knew was his dad was mad. He hated his job, and, and he liked hurrying and getting home, but when he came home, he still wasn't happy because he still hated his job. And you know what? It's really, really tough to teach a strong work ethic when you hate your job. And I think that's one of the things that ha- has happened in, in, the, in the recent generations is people are working jobs that they hate. They don't like their jobs. And so we're not passing down a strong work ethic. You need, Dad, you need to be passing down. And if you've got a job you hate, you've got to work on it even harder. It's like those footsteps. You've got to make sure those footsteps, you've got to teach them to have a strong work ethic because they've got a family to support. And unless you plan on working two or three jobs to support their kids, you better be teaching them to have a good, strong work ethic so they can do it. Somebody say amen. And thirdly, you need to model godliness. And I know a bunch of crazy Christian men who say, well, I just don't talk about God because they're going to learn that from church. Well, they can't learn it from church if you don't bring them for the first part of this. The second part is, if you're not telling them, they're going to learn from somebody else. And here's the big danger in that. Is your kids are going to grow up and they are going to have beliefs about God that are different than yours. If you don't tell them, if you're not modeling it, they are not going to believe about God what you believe about God. And that's how this country has gotten to the place it's in today, is that we have, we have somehow mixed the truths of God's Word with this uh, kind of secularist attitude and idea that everybody needs to feel good about themselves. And that's why we've got such a screwed up religion out here in secular society that people are trying to live and, and that is messing with the very foundations of this country is because We don't teach our kids really what we believe about God anymore. I want my kids. I want my grandkids. I want them to know about God. I want them to know how God has related to me. I want them to know how God saved my soul. I want them to know how God has forgiven me of the stuff that I've done in my life. I want them to know how God enables me to get through every single day of my life. I want them to know that God has promised me an eternity with Him. I want them to know how God wants to love them in every single step of their life. And they're not going to learn that unless I model it before them and do that, which leads into our third point here, back to our scripture. The Lord God of heaven, Abraham said, the Lord God of heaven took me from my father's home and the land of my family. He spoke to me and swore this oath. I will give this land to your descendants. And so, you know, here's what Abraham did. He left left his homeland and he came to this land. And, you know, and and we find out later that this is a land that flowed with milk and honey. It is the land that, that, uh, that, that Israel still has today because they are the descendants of Abraham. And why do they have that land? Not because the UN declared it. Not because uh, we've had uh, a good American presidents that have stood with them and all that. Not because of the, that's not why Israel has it. Israel has it because God made a promise to Abraham. And Abraham said, let this promise be birthed in me. And he birthed this promise. And he held on to this promise. And he chased this promise. And he got his fingers down it. And he put his, put his, hand, his feet down. And he grew some roots. And he planted himself. And he inhabited the promise. Real fathers create spiritual heritage for their children. Something that is going to be there after they're gone. That when we're reading that obituary and we're going to be reading about them, it's not going to be about the toys. It's going to be about what they poured into their kids. That when we're talking about you dads as you've gone away, we're going to be talking about the spiritual heritage that you've left behind. 
That's the important thing. And real dad, I'm going to give you this last one real quick. God will send his angel ahead of you, and you will get my, my son a wife from there. The, the, the uh, uh, servant was saying, well, what if? Abraham said, don't worry about it. God's going to send an angel out ahead of you. But what if? Abraham said, don't worry about it. God's going to send his angel out ahead of you. Real dads trust God. And they know God, God wants this for your kids more than you want this for your kids, Dad. Real dads trust God. Servant said, but what if? Don't worry about it. God's going to handle it. But what if? Don't worry about it. God's going to handle it. And some of you are saying, but you don't know, Pastor. Pastor, it's easy for you. You just don't, hey, you don't know what I've walked through. I mean, so you, tell me some of your horror stories. I can relate. You know, tell me some of the things that you've laid awake at nights and prayed over your kids because you didn't know. I can relate. You, you, think, that, you think that everything's been easy for me and Abraham has not been easy. We're not perfect. We're just real. Let's be real here. And real dads trust God because real dads understand that I can't fix everything. I don't always have the answers. I don't always know what to do. I don't always know how to help my kids through a struggle. I don't know, always know. But here's what I do know, is I do know that God will always send His angel before me and prepare my way. That God sends His angels and prepares our way when we're walking in the right way. And He don't send our angels when we're walking in the right way, but He sends the angels before the right way. Real dads trust God. Dads, can I get you to join me this morning? Will you trust God to do what you can't? You see, because this, this is the whole thing right here. All that other, I mean, if you get this, if you start trusting God to help you be a great dad, everything else is going to happen. You're going to become, you're going to model a great marriage. You're going to model a strong work ethic. You're going to model God. All that other stuff that I've already preached is going to happen when you start trusting God every single day of your life for everything in your life. So be a real dad. Trust God. And do this for me right now. Stand, dads, and come to the front. Dads, stand and come to the front with me. Let's just move in. Get here real close and close this. And any future dads, stand and come with us too. You going to be a dad in the future you plan to be? I, I, I don't mean it could be 10 years down the road, but you plan to be a dad one day in the future? Come on. Granddads, dads, future dads. got some new dads at 2911 this year. I've got one in the early service this morning. Uh, Daniel, his wife Brittany is pregnant. He said, you know, we're about halfway through the pregnancy, so this is 0.5 Father's Day. <laughs> halfway through. That's great. That's awesome. That uh, prayer team, I got something for you, Dad. Now listen, I can't, I, I can't preach to you the message that I need to preach to go along with this, okay? So uh, this is anointing oil. And so what I want to do is I want to send you an email this week, Dads. If you didn't get an email from me Friday night or Saturday morning, I probably don't have your email address. So I need you to send it to me, okay? Send me, because I, I want to send you an email and I want to explain some of the things, but... This is your responsibility, Dad. It's not, it's not just your responsibility to make sure they got money in the bank whenever they say, Dad, I need 
your responsibility to be the one there praying. I mean, when your kid gets sick in the middle of the night, don't, don't just call. Don't, 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 don't just dial 911. Take a little bit of this oil. Like the Word of God says, just touch them and pray. And say, God, by your power, heal them. Yeah, your kids, are teen, got teenage kids, they're struggling with uh, maybe connecting with bad relationships. Sneak into their room in the middle of the night while they're laying there asleep. Or sneak into their room in the middle of the day while they're away at school or something. Anoint their bed, anoint their computer, anoint. I know they probably got their cell phone with them all the time. Stop them one day. Say, hey, let's anoint your cell phone. Pray over there. I, I can't explain all this to you about what, this is your responsibility, Dad. So if I don't have your email address, send me, send me an email, pastor at church2911.com. Real easy, pastor at church2911.com. And I'll, I'll, send it, I'll send you this. I'll add you to that list because I want to explain this to you. So here's the thing, real dads, we trust God. And I know what some of you think. You just think, well, all this was about Abraham. That's, that's Old Testament. That's Abraham. And that's just his promise. Well, you know, what, what Abraham said to his servant about the, about the angel going before him, that wasn't a promise that God, I meant, Abraham didn't say, look, God told me his angel's going to go before you. Uh-uh, that's not what he said. He said, God's angel is going to go before you because we're walking the right path here. I mean, there's not a promise there. It's just he knows. You need to know too, Dad. But in case you're not convinced, let me take you to Hebrews and let me show you what angels are all about. Therefore, angels are only servants. Spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. He sends his angels to take care of what you need. God wants you to have a great family. All these, This is what they're for. So he is going to send his angels out ahead of whatever it is you're doing for your family. When your kid gets sick in the middle of the night and you need to anoint them and pray for their healing, God's already sent an angel out in front of you. Get, get that thing started. When your kids are struggling at school and you need to pray over them, you need to give them a word, you need to encourage them in some way, God's going to send an angel out in front of you. Because that's what they're here for. He sends them out in front of us to do that work. So take your responsibility, Dad. I want us to pray. But I want you to do something. This is symbolic, okay? We're going to do this in a symbolic way so you'll get it. I know some of you, all, maybe all of you don't have your family here. Some of them are down in the nursery or whatever. But if you've got family sitting out here, wife, kids or whatever, I want you to motion for them to come stand by you, okay? Just motion. Come on. Call them up here, dads. Turn around, dads. If you've got anybody out there that's related to you, just call them on down. If you're not getting called by anybody, the pastor's calling you. Come on down, too. Come on, everybody come with us. Come on, everybody come on. Now, let me tell you why we did this, dads. You know, that's your responsibility, dads. You get this? This is your responsibility to call your families into the presence of God. That was symbolic for you to do, for you to understand this. This is is part of my calling. This is part of what I'm supposed to do is to call my my family into his presence. To call my wife, to call my kids. Maybe even call your mom if she's living in your home, but to make sure they're in the presence of God. Wives, kids, if you've got a dad down here that loves God and wants you to love God, you are blessed. Hug them real tight. I'm going to pray for them. I want you to pray for them too. That God will make them real dads like they need to be. And God will help them trust in Him for every single thing that they need to get accomplished. Wives, if you've got a husband that loves your kids and loves God, 
you're blessed. Hug them tight. Pray with them. Pray with me right now over them. Okay? Father, I love you. I love you. In Jesus' name, God, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, go ahead. Thank you.